Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer, your number one source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're going to talk about uh, our picks in the. Ah. On today's show, we're going to talk about our picks in the expansion draft, plus uh, some additional signings that Austin FC has made. We're also going to talk about what Moon Tower Soccer is. So, my name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and I feel almost the same, but slightly different now that we're doing Moon Tower Soccer. So. Let's talk about that, how that came to be, Landon. Yeah, so we were approached a, f- a few weeks ago about uh, by the folks over at The Striker about joining them as their Austin FC podcast. So uh, we decided to take them up on that. We announced that on Monday this week, and so we're very excited to be joining The Striker. Um, if you haven't heard about what The Striker is, it's going to be a Texas soccer website, and they've picked up some of the best the best soccer writers in the state, and they're going to be covering soccer at all levels throughout the state of Texas. Um, our friend Chris Bills is writing for them. John Arnold, who you may have seen writing about CONCACAF and about Dallas soccer. And then Victor Arisa is writing, uh, going to be their Houston writer. But they've got uh, youth soccer writers. They've got lower-level soccer writers. They've got women's soccer writers. And so it's going to be a really really awesome website and a really great resource for Texas soccer news. But, uh, so we're very honored for them to ask us to be, be part of what they're doing as their Austin FC podcast. Um, because of that, we, we, uh, had to leave, leave behind the capital city soccer show and capitalcitysoccer.com. That being said, capitalcitysoccer.com is alive and well, and Troy and Zach over there are still still ramping up for a big year. They're they're going to be doing really big things as well. We're gonna we're still going to be big promoters and supporters of those guys. Um, we really enjoyed working with them, but uh, yeah, we're going forward. This show is going to be called Moon Tower Soccer, and we'll be doing it with the striker. Yeah, one of these days we'll share with you all some of the really bad ideas that we had for other names. I think mostly <laughs> mostly names that I had, and at some point I will be the host of the Taco Brisket Show, but I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that it'll be about soccer. And I did see that um, Emily from Cat City Soccer was at the stadium today and took a bunch of took a bunch of video and stuff. So it was cool to see them out and and covering the news. Yeah, yeah. So they they really are going to be doing some cool stuff. So we're 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 happy to have to have worked with them for the short time that we did. But um, yeah, do you want to you want to talk about some soccer, Jeremiah? Sure. Let's talk about how uh, Philip Mayaka was the most sure thing, number one overall pick, <laughs> according to Matt Doyle on the show right before uh, that was made. Did that happen, not, Landon? Not just Matt Doyle. I don't, I'm not going to call out just Matt Doyle because it was everybody. It was Ivis Galarsep, who I, I think that was, he's kind of one of the kind of a bellwether on stuff like this, but he, I listened to his podcast reviewing the super draft and he said that he spoke to dozens and dozens of people and almost all of them had Mayaka listed as the top prospect, but yeah, it's, it's not what happened. Is it Uh, Austin FC ended up picking Daniel Pereira from Virginia tech? Yeah. What do we know about Pereira? Um, Um, what was, what was your initial reaction to them picking Pereira? Oh, I mean, I was shocked. I mean, I think I had, so I'd studied Mayaka a lot and I'd watched some of Calvin Harris, but like Pereira was not one that I had seen much um, video or read a whole lot about or anything. So I was not really um, prepared for that at all. How about you? No, same for me. Yeah, I I didn't really even bother watching footage of him. I watched some of Harris just to kind of see what kind of player, because most of, most of the boards had it, Mayaka, Harris, Pereira. And so I was like, 
there's no way we're going to pick Pereira because if we pick someone else, it's going to be Harris, right? So I watched video of those two. And so when we picked Pereira, like I saw a lot of people who were upset, like on Twitter and in Slack and stuff like that. They were mad that we didn't take Mayaka. And I was just like, I don't know, because I didn't watch any video of this other guy. So uh, after watching video of him, actually, before I even did, before I even got a chance to do that, seeing him in the press conference, um, he just, he's, he really impressed me just as a person. So he's, uh, he was born in Venezuela. He came to the U S at the age of 15 as an asylum seeker. Um, didn't, didn't know anything about the U S didn't know anything about U S soccer. He played, uh, for his uh, high school team. I think the coaches saw him and said like, Oh, this guy's very good. We need to put him on a path to be doing something special. And so ended up at Virginia tech, um, and was a very special player there from his, his freshman year, got even better his sophomore year, uh, but didn't get to play as many games. I think he played 20 some odd games for them total. And it was only like seven this season. So didn't get to play a lot of games, but was very impressive. Um, in the interview with them just seems like a very humble and, and just like a nice kid. And he talked about how, um, like moving here was just a very hard thing for him. And he just kind of threw himself into his soccer and that's just all he's done. He's, I think it's really impressive. Just a, a kid like that, who knows that like everything doesn't necessarily like nothing's been given to him. Like he, he understands the fact that it's not necessarily going to work out for the best for him. And so he seems like he's just really taking that to heart. And he's like, I'm going to throw all of my life into this soccer dream and I'm going to make that work one way or another. Yeah, I know. So, I I really got that out of um, what we heard afterwards, just how hungry and how driven he was and how important that was to them and how much he wanted to be in. You know, we talked a lot about players. We want players that want to be in Austin. And it feels like he has that same kind of same kind of drive and ambition that we look for in our, in our senior players. So that was that and, was exciting to hear. And he was also absolutely surprised that he got picked first because in the in the press conference afterwards, someone asked him, like, did you know, like, did they call you and tell you or anything? And he's like, no, I, I was watching the show like you guys were. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he didn't know he's going to get picked first and I seemed very excited. But um, yeah, do you want to talk about what kind of player he is? Yeah. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Um, what he did at Virginia Tech, I guess. One other thing I didn't know about, and you mentioned this um, earlier, is like the 26 games he played in two years. And I think when everybody got excited about seeing all the mock drafts and then everybody was upset about how it did, didn't turn out that way, like I don't know that we all appreciated how little game time that those players had gotten and how a lot of this is based upon your scouting and perception and what the front office thinks and like all these things beyond just, oh, this person has this like long career of success in, in college soccer because you know, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of film on him. And there, there wasn't a lot because of the pandemic last year either. Yeah. So, um, I'm most of this information I'm about to share is from, uh, later in his freshman year. And then mostly from his sophomore year, this, this 2020 season that, that he partially played in, but, uh, he primarily played as an eight in kind of a double pivot, like either in a four, four, two, or some, some type of two, like two man central midfield, or sometimes they would play in like a 4-1-4-1 and there was always, he was paired with a six, so like a more defensive partner in any of these cases. And so in the 4-4-2, he would be the more attacking of those two midfield guys, but still still staying fair, deeper than some of these other attacking players. 
And then in the 4141, he would be two of those like dual eights sitting in front of the six. And so um, comparing him to Mayaka, Mayaka, most the games that I watched and the, the clips that I watched, Mayaka was playing as a six. And just like a, a high tempo cover a lot of ground six. And so um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why they chose him is that I think Mayaka is a very... I think he's a safe bet. Like you could take him at his level now and plug him into MLS. He'll get minutes and you can play him right now. I think, uh, I think Pereira probably has a higher ceiling, but a lower floor, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know that Pereira is ready to step into the game right now and, and start 27 games or, or sorry, however many games there are in a season. But um, I think the the potential that he has, and I, I think he, that he could be better than than Mayaka, but it's it's a crapshoot, right? Um, as far as comparing their games, I think he's more skillful, more technical on the ball than Mayaka was, uh, and will just he'll create more chances. And he's he's one of those guys when you watch him with the ball at his feet, uh, like Mayaka is good at at like driving that ball forward. But as far as chance creation, he wasn't. Like he would, he, he had some assists and some goals, but he just didn't look like a guy that's just going to like always be creating those chances. And Pereira's got kind of that smooth touch on the ball. And he's like, I don't, when, when you see him like, uh, receive the ball and kind of like roll his foot over it, you can tell he just like has that natural touch on it. And so I think he's going to be, uh, a more creative player than what Mayako would have been for us. Uh, but yeah, he's, I don't know as far as what he's going to be. Like we said, we haven't seen very much from him. So uh, one thing that that I thought was interesting is uh, Josh Wolf told uh, Ivis Galarsep on the SBI podcast that um, they had gotten Dave Tinney, who is Dave Tinney is our uh, director of high performance for Austin FC. Uh, they and he's also uh, an alumni of Virginia Tech, and so they had him contact the high performance folks at Virginia Tech and they were all extremely high on Daniel Pereira and kind of his potential physically and how much he's kind of progressed from his freshman to sophomore year. And so I thought that was an interesting thing that they were looking at as well. But um, after after watching this video and learning more about him, I'm pretty excited about him. I'm not not disappointed in the least that they chose him over over Mayaka. Do you think that ring being around was a factor at all? Or do you think it was really just the potential of Pereira and Mayaka? Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely it definitely could have played into the decision because, like I said, Mayaka played a lot of six this year, and so you could shoehorn him into this this eight position in a system where they've said they want to possess the ball and create chances. If maybe he's not the best player to do that, and like like I said, you could plug him in and know he could play right now. But as far as like his longer term potential, I don't think he's exactly the type of player that Josh Wolf is going to be looking for. And I think Pereira has the potential to be that guy and, and like playing in a slightly more advanced position than ring where ring, like they've said, ring is our six. Like that's where we want him to play. And so why pick another six to play beside him? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you want to talk about the other, the other guys? I mean, we got what, four more players. Yeah, we can, we can go through quickly. I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know enough about any of these guys uh, if I think you can go listen to uh, Ivis Galarseb's podcast and to there's lots of columns and podcasts that you can go 
listen to people or read people who know way more about this stuff than us. But the second pick, which is uh, for Austin FC at number 11, was Freddie Kleeman, a center back from Washington. And that one apparently surprised a lot of people. Um, not many people had had him listed very highly in their draft. And um, Ivis Glarsep said that they probably could have waited until their next pick and got him with that one. Um, but apparently they really liked him. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he's um, big. He's big. That's yeah. the one thing I know about him, right? He's six four. Um, yeah, he played twenty eight matches. So again, not a lot of history to to fall back on. Yeah. Um, regarding the others, um, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about him. One thing that I thought was interesting uh, in the press conference after the after the uh, the super draft, um, I asked Wolf if if he planned on loaning any of these guys out at, to USL or if that was like a possibility. And he said that he wants all of them to come together at camp. So like if he can make that happen, he wants to bring them all into camp and just see what they what they look like and get them kind of in that team environment. But then after that, that there's definitely a possibility that some of them um, end up playing in USL this season or something like that. And then actually in uh, on Monday, um, Chris Bills interviewed Claudio Reyna. And we'll talk we'll talk more about this interview later in the show, but because uh, there's a lot of good information in it. But he told him that there's one of the players that they're looking at may continue playing college um, this season. And I'm not sure, I, maybe you know this, Jeremiah, but I don't know if that means we would give up his MLS rights or if, if we would, like if he could go back and play college for a year and then whenever he just, like he's ready to come to MLS, if we would still get him or if we would just be giving up those rights. I'm not, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works, and I would have, before the Joe Corona thing, I would have just guessed that if we are going to draft him, eventually we would end up with our rights, you know, we would hang on to him. But as we've seen, MLS rules are fickle and strange, so we'll have to see um, yeah. what comes out of it. But yeah, he was pretty clear about it. He didn't say who it was. I liked how he was, he's really good at not naming names, no matter how <laughs> much really he gets pushed. He's really good at not giving information when he doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. But yes, it, it may be somebody i thought that was interesting that they're going to bring them all together and give them all a shot um yeah so cleveland was the 11th pick which we acquired by trading away kamal miller so i want to ask you would you rather have kamal miller or freddie cleman yeah it's i would rather have kamal miller but i think this draft pick was kind of like a little bonus thing because you remember we also got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in gam for that that's pick. true that's so, true that was the main value add in that. And I think the 11th pick was like, and this also to maybe tip it over the edge. So I'm still very happy with that trade. I think getting that extra allocation money was totally worth it. And then the, the 11th pick was a cherry on top. So I, I think I'm, I'm still really good with that trade. All right, that works then. I'm, I'm going to allow a pass on that. <laughs> um, and we did, so Travis Clark, our recent uh, interviewee, did a uh, draft grades article for MLSsoccer.com. And gave Austin a nice solid B, which I think I looked at kind of where they'd all broken down, or maybe like tenth or twelfth, middle of the pack, basically. Um, he seems to be a pretty easy grader. He didn't give a lot of failing grades, but <laughs> you know, we did pretty good, not great. Um, I thought it was he, interesting in his grade. He did not mention our second pick. He oh, that's didn't true. Say anything about Freddie Cleveland? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even even the goalkeeper who was the last pick, they at least mentioned. He mentioned a little bit uh, to keep an eye out for him. Yeah. And I don't watch a lot of college soccer, but I was shocked about how many ACC players there were. They must be really, really good. Well, I think they're very good, but also the ACC was the only conference that played any amount of a real season this year. 
And so that's just who the coaches got to see. And so there's probably good play. I mean, not probably. There are good players in other leagues, but they didn't play this year, so nobody got to see them. So I, I think there's probably. I don't. I haven't done done the math on this, but I would imagine the ACC is overrepresented in the draft this year. Yeah, that that makes sense too. We won't, won't talk about them a whole lot, but um, Houston Dynamo put together a great offseason. I know it looked like they also had a really good draft too. And Ethan Bartlow was actually somebody I did look at it a little bit, and it was interesting to see him. Um, they traded up, right, to get him? Yeah, yeah, they traded into a spot to get Bartlow and then um, have made some other big moves as well. So it looks like the Dynamo might actually make an effort to put together a, a competitive team this year. Yeah, we might not want to taunt him so much on Twitter about finishing last. <laughs> uh, let's talk about another signing. So during the uh, the, the press conferences after the Super Draft, um, Claudio Reyna and jo- I think it was Josh Wolf. Josh Wolf kind of teased a- about us signing a player in the next couple of days. And so sure enough, the next day we got green smoke from Anthony Precourt. And then the next day uh, we were thinking maybe a player in the morning. And then we waited and waited and waited. And then finally there it was. Kakuta Mane signed uh, as a free agent for- by Austin FC. So um, what was your reaction to, to Kakuta Mane, Jeremiah? So I didn't know a lot about him. You know, I know he has local ties, and that was one thing that Precord talked about in the smoke tweet, right, was that it was somebody who knew their way around Austin, which right. I think we at that point felt like it, it narrowed it down to either Kyrie Shelton or Mane, and Mane's uh, had a contract. A lot of people were also throwing around Miguel Ayun because of the oh. trip that, that he made to That's Austin. fair. <laughs> oh, I, you know, one thing I loved about the press conference is when Josh is like, yeah, we're going to have a player tomorrow, and then Tom Webb's like, tomorrow? Are, are you yeah. sure tomorrow? Like, <laughs> it seems kind of aggressive, maybe not tomorrow, but they ended up... Uh, Oh, I think they would ended up being two days later, so they didn't quite pull it off. But, I mean, everything I've read, I mean, he's like he's fast. He's got a lot of talent. You know, he's succeeded in the past. He's had a little bit of downtime recently. But um, why don't you uh, cover his backstory a little bit? Because it's yeah, super so interesting. I watched, um, I went and watched some some uh, videos, just like got on YouTube and typed in Kukutamane just to see what I could find, just to see what kind of, like, kind of person he is. So he was born in... Uh, in Gambia in 1994. His mother died when he was 10 years old. Uh, he ended up coming to the U.S. on some some type of soccer exchange program when he was 15 and ended up in Austin. I, I didn't really put together the dots of how he ended up in Austin or like why he came here as opposed to somewhere else, but um, ended up in Austin, was staying with a, a host family. Um, his time ended in this program and he was going to have to go back to Gambia and he didn't really want to go and the family he had like gotten really close to this family that he was living with. And so they ended up adopting him and that's just like his family now. Like that's, he, he calls, he calls them mom and dad and like calls them all the time and FaceTimes them. It's like, that's his family now. And so, um, he went on trial a few teams in MLS ended up, uh, signing a GA contract in 2013 and got drafted fourth overall by the Whitecaps went and played four seasons in Vancouver and uh, was really exciting. So as an 18 year old, uh, I, I skipped a, another part. He actually ended, played for Lone Star uh, when he was a teenager. And then at the age of 17, started playing for Austin Aztecs, which was uh, like, I don't know if, if they were USL at the time. Do you remember what league they were playing in at the time? I think I they, the were Az- I think they were USL. A couple or- of different leagues. Um, ended, ended up playing for the Aztecs at 17. It was one of their best players at 17, which pretty impressive. And so, uh, ends up at the white caps when he's 18. Um, 
in four seasons, had 101 appearances and 22 goals. And I think early on in the career, he was like, there were rumors that like Premier League clubs were looking at him. And it ended up, I'm, I don't know, he must have had a dip in form at the end, but he ended up um, getting traded to the crew in 2017 and played that season, then became a free agent. Uh, bounced around that whole next year, uh, ended up in, spent like six months in Mexico and eight months in Switzerland. Ended up coming back and played for Cincinnati in 2019, 2020. Uh, then played, I think, six games for New England in 2020. And then was a free agent. And that's how ended up available. But um, I'd, as far as him as a player, he's very fast, likes to dribble at people. Um, and it's thinking about like where he's going to fit in this team. We don't really have another player that does what he does. Like just this super speedy, like dribbler. Like, I don't think we have many other guys on the team who fit that profile. Um, as far as like, if he's going to play or if he's going to start, uh, the other day we were talking to a friend of the show, Chris Wellhausen and talking about Fagund Diego Fagundes. And I think a, a similar, similar profile, like guys who know the league played a lot in the league, but are probably like only nailed on starters for like a lower like a lower half MLS team. And so thinking about like whether or not these guys are going to be starters, I think you you keep hearing Josh Wolf talk about how uh we just want to get them all together and see what they look like and see see what we think they're going to look like and things like that. I think he's telling them like come into camp and prove to me that you're going to be a starter. Like it's there. We we don't we have two DP spots open. So like prove to us that we shouldn't sign a DP in your position. And I think that's going to be the case for Diego Fagundes and I think that could be the case for Mane. Like I think Mane a little bit less given that he plays his strongest position is also Cecilio's strongest position. So I don't know that Mane's going to end up being a starter, but for as the the d dynamic kind of player that he is, he's definitely a good weapon to have off the bench. Yeah, and one of the things I like about him, and we talked about this with Chris, and this is where Chris was wrong on Joe Corona, um, is that I think they, we've got a lot of people that, I mean, they're risks, you know, they're kind of gambles, right? But they've got high ceiling and they've got low floor. But you, if half those pay off, we'll be in really good shape because we're not giving it. I'm guessing we're not. I mean, he's a free agent. We didn't pay a ton for him, right? So if you take enough of these shots and enough of them pay off, you're in a really good shape as opposed to, I don't know, just getting somebody who you know is average, but will be average a lot. So I'm excited about that potential in the context of the flexibility that he has in the whole roster. Yeah, he's also he's a player who's not had like a really steady or good club situation in several years. And so it's that's kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? Like, does he have bad club situations because he's not good enough to cement a spot there? Or is he ha is he not been in good form because he's been in bad club situations. So he does seem to be very motivated. He, he calls Austin. It's like as much of a home as, as anywhere. So hopefully that motivates him. He seems excited to be here. So we'll, we'll just have to see what he can do. And he's another Columbus guy, right? So was he, he would have been with Wolf in Columbus in 2017 too. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's a, he's a known commodity to a lot of that, that front office, which I think probably had a little bit to do with it too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about what the rest of the roster looks like. So we mentioned, uh, Chris Bills, uh, interviewing Claudio Reyna today at the, um, the stadium 
the stadium sponsor announcement, there was a lot of information that came out of this interview. Especially a 13-minute interview or 14-minute interview or whatever yeah. it was. It wasn't a lot, but yeah, Chris asked the big question that everybody's been wanting to know. And you know, at first Claudio didn't want to answer. I think one of the things that I've noticed now is when Claudio starts with, yeah, that means he's not going to give you a straight answer <laughs> to the yeah, question because he did he did that. Chris Bills was an absolute hero, though, and wasn't didn't let him get away with not answering it. So the question was, how many senior roster spots does Austin FC have left on the roster? And Claudio tried to not answer it. And I, th- I think he seemed to be doing it out of like kind of a sense of privacy for the players. Mm-hmm. And Chris was like, no, you don't have to tell me the names, just like how many spots are there? And he reluctantly said that we have four senior roster spots left, which shocked me i don't know about you jeremiah what did you think about that well i thought we had three so now i'm super curious i thought about... we had two. Oh yeah because oh, after... yeah money would have been 18 Monty. right yeah. yeah so yeah I, I thought we had two left and so he's saying we have four senior spots left and then he also added in like and we have got the flexibility to create more if we need to i was like whoa it's <laughs> like okay i'm i'm very excited about this roster now because um i think we talked about it on the last show but if we've got two DP spots left and only two senior roster spots left, then those are the two signings, right? And like, I think they'd have to be like really, really good DPs for them to make me think that this team is going to definitely like compete at a very high level next year or this this season. But if we've got two DPs plus two other senior guys, like maybe even TAM players, because we only have one or two of those so far even. Right. Um, like that this could end up being a really strong roster depending on what those four spots look like. So that that got me uh pretty pretty excited. Um there's some other some other news that that he said. Do you want to tell us about what that was? Yeah, I think we can talk about what we expect for future signings and this is going to be a little bit of a combination of the Josh Wolf press conference after the super draft and what Claudio said. They covered a couple of the, the same spots, but we yeah, expect- they're like kind of like filling in holes in each other's stories, right? Yeah, Claudio's is more exciting. Josh's was like less, <laughs> I don't know, or it was less specific, but Claudio got me more fired up. I think maybe knowing, like you said, knowing that we had more spots available than I thought, but definitely two internationals. Definitely got the opinion that one is coming soon. I mean, it seemed like there are active negotiations going on for one of them. Um, and then, But it also seemed like the other one is probably not going to come until the summer, which is something that... I think Claudio kind of raised the possibility of it at the expansion draft and then Josh followed on and then Claudio really drove that home today, I thought. Yeah, and then I think um, pre-court in an interview with Chris Bills today at the stadium announcement also said, like flat out said, like we may wait until the summer to fill that third one. Oh, so, I thought I thought he was just talking business guy stuff. I did not watch the pre-court interview. So yeah, if there's he, anything- he, talk, he was talking about players, but he, he said in in like more certain, like with more confidence than the other two did that we are talking to a player right now. And if it goes through, we're going to have a DP soon, like second DP soon. And then about the third one said, we may wait until the summer to sign that third DP. So I think that goes back to kind of what I was talking about. Wolf telling these guys to earn their spot is um, go into the season with two DPs, see who is going to step up and be a real game changer for Austin FC. And if, if it's in one of the positions they were looking at a DP, then maybe they'll sign him somewhere else. But um, Claudio also gave us some some pretty clear hints as to where they're looking at DPs, right? Where in the field. So he ended up saying uh, 
an attacking type player and then another one that will quote unquote help an attack one way or the other. So I don't really know how to read that. What do you think help an attack one way or the other means? Yeah, the only thing that makes sense to me on that that ties back into something we've done before. Um, I think it was last week. Did we talk about that? Maybe adding a player in the back line is yeah. if you had like a wide and it'd have to be left back because you're, you know, Lima's the right back for sure. Maybe if you had like an attacking left back that would add to the to the offense and take Ben's sweat spot. That's the only other thing that makes sense for me. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think with the one that, that Claudio is talking about, yeah, it could be um he definitely said an attacking player. So I think the one that they're in talks with now is like a nine. He wouldn't say if it was a nine or a 10. Bill's tried to get him to, to tell that, but uh, he said an attacking player. So I think that's the one they're in talks with now. And then the other one, I don't know, maybe an, like an eight to to start over Pereira in that eight position or maybe, yeah, maybe a left back. But um, they did say they're looking at defenders as well. So who knows? But it's uh, it's exciting to know that we may have another DP coming pretty soon. Yeah, that that'd be really cool. We we're getting um, just blown up with the news, right? Between the draft last week and the stadium announcement today, and got a jersey coming out this week. It's been a whole a whole bunch of news. Um, is there anybody that you can think that we either could or should loan out to free up space? Um, I mean, one one that comes to mind is Brady Scott. The 21 year old goalkeeper um he's at an age and kind of at a level where they may want him to just get games instead of like being in camp or being on like on the bench and hanging out around the team maybe they think games is the best way to to improve him at this point so maybe they loan him out and noah lawrence that uh the super draft pick ends up being our number three goalkeeper um because like how much is a third string goalkeeper going to play really like something went wrong if the third string right. keeper is playing. Right. So maybe they would loan him out and that would open up a spot. Um, but as far as the others, like those original 17 guys, I don't, I can't think of many of them. Like it would surprise me if any of those other ones got sent out somewhere. Well, just cause you missed the six hour Roddy Ray Ace isn't on the roster. What does it mean to everything? <laughs> journey that we all went on i think on reddit and maybe on twitter and endless friday slack which was probably like some poor web person that just hit the wrong button on code or something but yeah for a little bit i think while Reddit you started a bunch of theories that we'd already sold redis to someone else or something (laughs) yeah like while while redis is like posting pictures uh on instagram from the airport you know we had figured out that he was going to be the guy gone that was where we were going to find extra space that's another exciting thing to, to talk about is uh, we've got quite a few players here in town now. So I think all three of the the Guarani boys are here now. And then uh, who else have we seen be in town? I think Ben Sweat's here. Stuver. Hector Amin is here. Brad Stuver's here. Um, Ring yeah. is here. Yep. Yeah, and I was going to say Diego Fagundes has played foot golf with, the, with a group of fans from Los Verdes already. <laughs> yeah. So he's really, he's, he's super into that. Um, so we've got a, a good size contingency already in town. Did you see the uh, Dominguez running like a hundred miles an hour on the treadmill to Fairmont? Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody wants to just go book a room at the Fairmont, you get to hang out with half the Austin FC roster. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good spot for a break. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with some uh, stadium news. And also we're going to talk about the Jersey that's releasing in a couple of days. So we'll be right back. 
have a new name, but Moon Tower Soccer is still brought to you by our friends over at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And according to emails, it's also a law firm that loves our new name, or they're just really kind because it would be be kind of mean of them to like email us and tell us the name sucks. Yeah, they were they were very nice about that. So <laughs> I was happy happy that they liked it. Um, you can go to fef.law to find out more about what makes FBF different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. That's fbf.law. So before the break, we were talking about um, a lot of different Austin FC players being in town. So let's talk about when they're actually going to get to play. So we've got some news about the season opening and then also a little bit of news about the collective bargaining agreement. So MLS announced today that the season is going to be starting on April 3rd, and they've released an actual date and said this is when it is, which is, that's the thing we haven't had in since last March, probably. <laughs> no, like sure. Yeah, nobody's expecting that. Games are going to happen. Yeah, nobody's expecting that at all. So um, I guess book your calendars for MLS is back the first weekend of April, which is something we had to discuss. It's interesting that they picked that name, right? Because it's not a tournament in a bubble, but it's confusing. To have yes. that. I think that is very confusing to call a opening weekend MLS is back whenever MLS is back is like a very clear thing that happened last year and a very unique thing that happened last year to use the same name for it, but whatever. Um, yeah, so April 3rd and 4th, this is going to be that opening weekend. Uh, they said that late in late August is going to be MLS Heineken Rivalry Week. Uh, they are planning on having MLS All-Star Game in late summer then they're saying decision day is going to be november 7th then the playoffs will begin november 19th and mls cup is going to be december 11th so uh we've we've got dates now it would i think the only thing missing now is um is a, a schedule of like when austin will actually actually start playing but one thing that we don't know is when austin's going to play their first home match so what what did we learn from uh, from Andy Lockning today, Jeremiah? Well, Andy today, um, and this reinforces something he said. I think to Bills um, before well, he talked about the in the the stadium would start hosting events in June, which is consistent with some other things we heard. Because before he talked about how sure the building can be ready, but you got to hire staff and train staff and do all this. You, you can't just build a building and then open it the next day or you, you can, but you'll have a terrible experience for fans. So yeah, that, that was, that was what he said. So we can expect two months on the road um, from what I'm hearing out of that. Yeah. Do you, I, I never, I hadn't thought about that aspect of it about like, this is a stadium that's never existed and therefore has never been staffed. And so it's going to take a while for us to get that up and going. Do you think there's any part of this plan where they're trying to delay that home opener as much as possible to get as many fans into the stadium as possible? I mean, I think so. Us more than anybody, it's important to open with as many stand, as many fans in the stands you can have. Because even last year in the pandemic, um, Nashville got to play before it all hit. Right? They got to play. They got to play home games. So it'd be really weird to be a brand new expansion franchise that sold all these tickets and start in a quarter full or, or empty building. So I can imagine they're going to slow play that as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, going back to the CBA. So 
Uh, there was an open letter from Don Garber to the MLS fans last week, and it was I don't what I don't know how to describe it. How would you describe this letter? Well, I've described it as cynical. That's that's what I got out of it. Yeah, it was that's a good word. <laughs> we've tried very hard. We've made a fair offer. If the season doesn't start on time, it's going to be the player's fault and not ours. And we look forward to you know entertaining fans and all that, all that other stuff that they put in there. But it was just it was weird to see that negotiation in public. I think which which is the thing that's really a departure from years past. Yeah. So I think whenever there was. I think a thing the week before that came out from MLS and then this this thing from Garber coming out that started to maybe make it look like the CBA negotiations weren't going super well. And not to say that they are going well, but it started it, it started to look like for a day or two there that it was going very poorly. But um, we got news that the MLS Players Association did send back a counteroffer uh, to, to the league. So that's progress. We don't know any, any details about what that counteroffer looked like. Um, I'm sure we'll find out what it was at some point, but that's one step closer to an agreement being met. Hopefully they can come to an agreement that, that works for everyone, that the players feel is fair, that the league uh, feels that they can work with. But but yeah, hopefully hopefully this is just one one more step to um, to everyone or to the league starting up again because it would be terrible for for uh, our first season to get delayed even more after all of the delays that we've had over the last three years or whatever it is. So I'm just ready to see a team play. But but you would still right now go for take as long as it takes to be in a full stadium, right? If forced to choose? Absolutely. Yeah, I would I would rather not have a home game until June than than have a half in, or a quarter full stadium or a half full stadium in April or May. Yeah, and with this start, it seems like a pretty compact schedule. When was MLS Cup this year? It was December, wasn't it? Um, so are they like starting a month yeah, later? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess this I think year is kind of weird. It was scheduled for around December 11th last year, like the original date was. So it's going to be slightly compacted, like uh, three or four weeks shorter. So not not crazy, not, not anything they can't make up. I imagine they'll still have to play through some international breaks and things like that. But, but it's MLS? It's MLS, and they play through national through international breaks anyhow, so it won't yeah, be that off character. It's never stopped them before. They're losing more and more players to those international breaks every year that they do this, so I think it's something they'll have to deal with eventually, but this year I think it just comes with the territory of, of being alive in, in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about maybe three different times on this show about the stadium press conference without yes. mentioning the name of the stadium. Yes, so... Austin FC announced today that the stadium sponsor is Q2 and that the name of the stadium will now be Q2 Stadium. So, Jeremiah, what? Uh, actually, give just give us some of the details of this, this agreement first before we get into the reaction. Sure. So Q2 is a Austin-based financial services company. Um, one thing that I thought was a little bit different out of this one from other ones, because like lots of teams have financial services company as sponsors, but this one's typically more like business to business. So they provide software for credit unions and things like that. Unless just like straightforward, a bank. Um, but yeah, Q2, they, they check the box. They're an Austin based company. Um, they've been around for a while. They're looking to bills. They, they hit on the things that Andy's talked about. Um, they also announced their official community partnership, um, in that they are going to do a program in 2021 to jumpstart or accelerate business plans. They talked about, um, 
helping coding among minority and disadvantaged communities. And for those of you that are very, to go back to a, a show we've d- we did a while back, if your pants are very fancy, you will be in the <laughs> Q2 Field Club, which is the club experience adjacent to the player benches and, and, and locker rooms there in Q2 Stadium. So, I mean, it's it's good. Um, we should talk about the Twitter and Reddit reaction a bit, I think. What did you think about that? Yeah, so to to give full context, Jeremiah was, was told by a contact probably a week or two ago that Q2 was likely going to be the stadium sponsor. And so Jeremiah told me, and my reaction was like, all right, that's fine. It's yeah. like, <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Uh, and I think I just, it's like part of the territory. I just expected it to be some big, like super huge. And you, you looked into it a while back, right? Like it's all financial institutions or car companies or, or ho- hospital, health, health hospitals. Systems. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So I was expecting it to be one of those things. Cause that's what all of them are. Right. I, and I think a lot of people in Austin just like let themselves believe that it was going to be Torchy's stadium or something like that. And it was just, it was never going to be that thing. Right. So I, I just like, yeah, I, I just like, it's fine. I think the, the logo is cool. It's short. It's non-intrusive. It's not Papa John's or the, the Phoenix online university stadium or whatever. Like, it's a simple name. It's invisible almost like, and I think that's, I say that in a good way. Like I want it to be something that's not just like terrible sounding. And I don't think it is, but I was, I was very surprised and I, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised at how negative the reaction was by a lot of fans. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, they had a lot of renderings in the stadium, of course, already has its own Twitter account. And so I would encourage people to go to Q2 Stadium on Twitter, and they did this like fly through video that showed the logo on the roof and in the back. I mean, it was, I mean, it was like you knew it was Q2, but it wasn't obtrusive. It's like those a big videos are Q2 cool. by the scoreboard, but yeah, they were cool. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I would be interested to hear, like, for the people who are very disappointed, like, what did they, what did you want it to be, or what did you expect it to be? Because there's not many companies who can afford to do a thing like this, right? Like, Torchy's isn't going to spend four or five million dollars a year on advertising like this. Like they're just not going to, and like other companies with cool names and like, can you think of any stadiums that have a cool name? No, that aren't, that haven't been open for 150 years. Right. Not that none that have a corporate sponsor. I mean, what would be like a, a corporate sponsor that gets people excited? I can't think of one. Kendra Scott stadium appeared to be, (laughs) <laughs> somebody but even, like, like I don't no, think Kendrick Scott <laughs> could or would want to do that like it's it's a very select it's like this very select echelon of companies who can afford to do a thing like this and I think we got a pretty good one <laughs> like as far as just like aesthetics and like the way it sounds I think we did fine I'm not that upset about it yeah let's talk about the money because it was a little bit hard to figure out which I know none of these deals are particularly public but one thing that was said at one point was that the sponsorship was going to be less than 1% of revenue for Q2 um, is what the annual price was. And so then they have, we went, a bunch of us went and looked at financial statements. And in 2019, they made 315 million, which would put it at about three, which seems like a low number. But then I read up on these Wall Street websites that didn't even know existed. And it looks like 
in 2020, they're looking at 400 million plus and they're projecting like 450 or something for 2021. So if you look at that, like four, four and a half million seems in the ballpark for what other teams pay. Yeah. That's I mean, before the pandemic hit, like it, I think they had received an offer for like three, three million a yeah, year three and a half. Like that, yeah. and they turned it down. And so maybe that could have changed, like the pandemic could have changed everything. Maybe a lot of companies aren't willing to spend that kind of money anymore. Maybe that offer went down, but um, we know the market before was such that three and a half wasn't good enough. So I would guess it would be still around four. So maybe a little bit higher. I think the highest one in MLS is like six or something. Yeah. Well, Bank of California did a $7 million deal and now Bank of California is going broke and they had to like break the contract and back out of it. So <laughs> It's not the best example. If you can't, yeah. if, L, if LAFC can't make seven million a year work, nobody can. Yeah. So I I think it boils down to this: like, this is where the money comes from, right? Is things like this, and so you can have your stadium called Torchy Stadium or Planet K Stadium for no money a year, and then Cecilia Dominguez is our highest played designated player, or we can get Q two and we can go out and sign two other guys and like that's just how it works that's the business of this game and i know it's like not romantic and it's not a fun thing to to see or to talk about but it's the business of it and that's what's going to allow us to buy good players yeah so settle down twitter which i feel like it's a thing <laughs> i feel like it's a thing we've said before many many times too okay yeah. so we talked about who's going to play we talked about where we're going to play let's talk about what they're going to wear when not at q2 yeah Stadium. so the jersey launch which i think we were calling it the wrong thing all of last episode. Uh, I think we were calling it le- the legendary jersey, but I think they're calling it the legends jersey. Okay, legends jersey, got it. Maybe we're saying it wrong again, but I think it's the legends jersey. But anyway, it's it's gonna be like the away jersey or like the other the alternate jersey to the one that's already out. Uh, that's coming out on uh, Wednesday of this week. They're already pre-selling it for like pre-selling spots with the Verde van. Uh, I did really like that the Verde van's going to like some pretty like far flung parts of the city. I thought that was cool to see. Um, And just like places that they stayed pretty central last time. They went to maybe somewhere up north in Cedar Park or something like that last time. But they're going to go to like pretty, pretty far corners of the the Austin area, which I thought was pretty cool. But you can pre-order those not knowing what it looks like. Uh, I, I imagine a lot of people are doing that, but, um, any, any last, uh, any last guesses about what it's going to look like? I think we've seen, cause everybody overanalyzes everything. The fact that the background on all the tweets with a Verde van are white. Um, and the fact that there's a new scarf that they've made available or white. There's like confirms, a whole, confirms a whole the section theory. of, of merch that came available at the Verde van. That's white. I think there's scarves and shirts and some, a couple of other things, but yeah, it's, it's going to be white with green trim. We just have to see what, what combination of those two things is going to look like. Um, but we'll find that on Wednesday. Um, that'll give us, I was gonna say that'll give us two Twitter uproars or Reddit uproars this week. Um, about yeah. things between <laughs> that are probably fine and don't matter that much. And it's going to yeah. be good. That's what we're going to tell you to calm down about next week. Oh, <laughs> um, before we finish up, let's do a quick, uh, Academy update. So, I didn't know this was happening. I don't know that anybody knew this was happening, but the Academy teams played a quick little tournament last weekend. Um, Actually, just like, the U15s. It wasn't even it was the whole Academy. The yeah, okay. just the 15s. Yep. So, yeah, 15s played a game. Um, and did they do well? What was the score? 
they won all three. They they played twice on Saturday. Beat, they beat the Dynamo. They beat the Toros on Saturday. And then they played on Monday and beat Rice Soccer Club 3-0. So it was total uh, 7-1 over the three matches. So they still nice. continue to do well. Yeah, so um, we knew that they would be playing some games in the spring, but uh, I've... I don't know when that is. I've tried to find out when the Academy is going to be playing, but they have been pretty secretive about that kind of stuff. I think a lot of that has to do with, with COVID and like stuff being up in the air a lot and not really finalized, but hopefully we can get uh, some more Academy dates up and going soon. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up Jeremiah? No, I think we've covered it all. This ended up being a surprisingly full show. You know, I think a few days ago, we didn't know that we w- what we would have to talk about. And we didn't have an interview, um, but there's a lot going on, which is exciting. And it's a lot of fun stuff because we don't, you know, we, we were stretching for topics six months ago and we don't have to worry about that now. Yeah, we. I think we probably, I haven't looked back at it, but I can almost guarantee we spent 20 or 30 minutes like talking about the rumor of a stadium sponsor <laughs> and we just spent like five minutes on it just now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. We would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also ask you to visit the Striker Texas whenever it launches next week. That's going to be uh, – do we have a firm date? Is it February 1st or is it just sometime early February? I think it's February 1st, but we're going to get in trouble for not knowing this too. So we'll just say next week. Early February, next week. <laughs> Watch out for, for uh, the Striker Texas launches. And a way that you can stay up to date on all of that is by following all the Strikers' um, social media accounts. So they're on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, are they on Facebook? I haven't looked at, I don't ever get on Facebook. I, have, I haven't seen Facebook, but I mean, and they're already publishing content, right? Because this interview was on YouTube, uh, YouTube and posted to Twitter. Yeah. And then Chris's interview with Adrian Healy last week was on Instagram. So you can get the content. You just can't access the website yet already. Yeah. So once the website launches, there'll be all kinds of articles all over Texas soccer. Uh, this is going to be, um, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I think it's going to be a really cool thing. And I think it's a thing that um, not many places in the U.S. are going to have this kind of resource available to them. And it's, it's, it's a really special thing that's being built. And we're, we're very excited to, to see it and very excited to be a part of it. Um, what else, Jeremiah? What other up- updates do we have? Oh, I just had a quick update. Um, January 22nd was High How Are You Day, which is uh, the birthday for Daniel Johnston, the Austin-based artist who drew this Jeremiah the Innocent, the frog mural that's really um, well-known around town. And then also, um, I think we've seen it um, like on some signs that supporters have made and stuff already. Um, yeah. And so Los Verdes, Soccer Assist, and Hi How Are You are working on like a merch collaboration to raise money for mental health awareness. And there will be more about that coming out next week. Yeah. All right. So next week we will be joined by, and I we just got this confirmed today and we're very excited about it, but Sam Stageschool of uh, uh, the Allocation Disorder podcast and writer for The Athletic is going to be joining us on the show next week. And we're going to talk about Austin FC's roster build and uh, the latest CBA negotiations. And these are the things that Sam is like one of the absolute experts in. So we're very excited to, to have him on the show and talk about it. Uh, until then, my name is Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Feels fair that the league uh, feels that they can work with, but... <coughs> <coughs> <coughs>
I think a bug flew in my mouth. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>